Welcome to the Girl Gang Conversations, a podcast that's all about connection, sisterhood, and having conversations that matter. I'm your host, Sarah Stars, and every week I speak to inspiring women about the nitty-gritty of how they live with passion and purpose. We dive deep into our journeys, the obstacles we've overcome, our dreams, what's working for us, and what isn't. We're totally honest about what we're learning, what our daily rituals look like, and what we're struggling with. We don't shy away from the hard stuff, and we really go into it all. Spirituality, personal development, magic, routines, career, friendship, relationships, sexuality, and so much more. The most powerful two words in the English language are, me too, and it's my hope that these conversations help us all feel less alone. This isn't about preachy self-help or self-improvement. It's about self-acceptance and talking about the things that matter to us. Hello, and welcome to The Girl Gang Conversations, episode 60. This episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. You can access all of the show notes for this episode at sarahstars.com slash podcast slash 60. Today's interview is with Diana Valentine. Let me tell you, Diana is not for the faint of heart. She spent more than 13 years teaching leaders to listen to themselves and complete seemingly impossible projects. We're talking major brand overhauls, six-figure product launches, full-fledged manuscripts. She serves up straight-from-the-hip advice in online magazines and columns all over the net. And in a past life, she was an idiot savant microsurgery tech, worked for the Olympic Games Organizing Committee, and was personally approached by the FBI with a recruitment invitation for classified reasons on two separate occasions. As you can tell, Diana has such an interesting life story, and we had a fantastic conversation about her journey, but also her zone of genius, decision-making. We riffed on why decision-making is so hard, the super conditions game she's created to make it easier, and why some decision-making systems just miss the mark. Hey, Diana, how are you? Hi, I feel great. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you today. I was saying earlier before we started recording that you have come as a highly recommended guest and all-around human being from Aurora Lady and Carolyn Elliott, who were both on the show before. So I'm very excited for this conversation. Thank you. I love being invited to the party. (laughs) So the way that I've been kind of getting to know people on the podcast recently before we talk about, you know, all of the amazing things you do in the world and your story is just to hear a little bit about a typical day in your life, or maybe there isn't one, but are there any routines or rituals that anchor your day? Oh, nice. I like that. Well, yes, there are rituals that anchor my day. And interestingly, you could map sort of map my life by the rituals that that I've had. (laughs) So at some points, they've been less savory than others. Um, But right now I have, (laughs) I know, right? Little, "Mm, come on over to my house. Uh, So uh, right now, I have a very gentle, gentle kind of ritual in the morning. So I really do nothing other than eat some breakfast that I pre pre, um, cook, I cook on Sundays. So I prepare breakfast, lunch, and dinner for five days so that I just don't even have to think about anything. It's sort of like the turtleneck and slacks or something like uniform, you know, 
I wish I could get there wardrobe-wise, but certainly food-wise and morning-wise, I pretty much naturally wake up between 4.30 and 5.30 in the morning every morning. So every once in a while, I'll sleep until 7. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, if I, but if I sleep any later than that, like I am either sick or like I've stayed up all night or something, which is extremely, extremely rare. So I kind of wake up very gently and, and um, usually I track my dreams. So I'll either, what I do with my dreams, I don't know if you know, I do dream work No, I uh, over, over at wokeupknowing.com. So I do this okay. esoteric kind of work um, that's, that sort of capitalizes on my in, intuitive work in the other, the other work that I do, the super conditions work. But it is um, when I wake up in the morning for my own dreaming, I ask myself, was that for me or is that for someone else? Oh. So for my clients, my current clients, they're all, I, I'm always holding them in space while I'm working with them. I'm sort of holding them. So every once in a while I have a dream that is not prompted or isn't sort of, I'm not doing a particular woke up knowing session with them, but it might be related to their work. So I ask for me or for them. And if it's for me, I ask, does it want to be documented or is it, just totally appropriate to be in the subconscious because you know we're our brains are doing stuff they're it's busy and it's sort of like you don't have to write everything down we're just processing right so if I write it down then I'm writing it down and I ask it is this personal or might this be distributable later and it'll literally tell me now because I've worked with my dreams for a long time like this goes in the art document and and this goes in the private document okay so then I document if it's for someone else, I might call one of my clients because I work, I have an open, um, it's like an open work plan. So I text and call them anytime I want. They text, call me, email me anytime they want. I did for a long time have like little like pockets of like, here's when we're talking and here's this fixed coaching, whatever thing. And I'm not really a coach. I'm really, um, a decision-making advisor, really. I mean, that's really what everything boils down to, whether we're working on a specific project or working with a team. It's all about that. So um, so my morning really starts with the, with the foot in the astral plane and one here. And then I putter around and like stand around in my kitchen and decide if I, what food I want, if I want dinner for breakfast or whatever. And it's really like a, just a percolating, very quiet time. And then, um, most, um, some days I go to teach at, um, a community college. So I just get ready. Like it's, it has to be calm. Like the more calm my morning is, the better the rest of the day goes. So that's one example, long winded example of, uh, a sort of regular thing that happens in my life. That's really interesting. I'm curious to hear more about the kind of dream work that you do. And I don't know whether you have any thoughts on, where people could start if they're interested in that process? Like, is it as simple as, like you were saying, kind of asking your dreams in the morning whether they want to be written down or not? And what kind of signals would you expect people to get to, to kind of tell them one mm. way or the other? Well, I think that that, I mean, that particular thing is sort of, it's, um, that has come out of five or six years of working with my own dreams and also working with them professionally. So I'm not, I'm not doing um, a deep analytical process with them. Um, or, you know, it, it, it's not all personal development 
sort of work for, for me. You know, it's actually showing up for a job. And I had to figure out a system to parse the information and figure out where it was relevant, right? So it's a little bit different than maybe dream exploration or dream interpretation. I don't do any dream interpretation because I fully respect the traditions that have been built on that work, both in sort of hyper-intellectual scenes, scholarly scenes, and um, spiritual scenes. So those are not my scenes. Um, so I would just say, if you are, if you do remember your dreams, write them down for a few months. Even if you're just getting fragments, like if you even are getting just a scene, a visual scene, try to describe it. And in that scene, if you, um, for me, one of the really fun early explorations was trying to find architectural terms for the spaces that I was in. Like I would see certain kinds of columns or a, a certain kind of tile in a hallway. And I was like, I don't even know what that is, but I would go look and then I would find it and go, oh, this is Byzantian, whatever. I mean, <laughs> it would be like these crazy visuals. And, um, and so that was kind of, that became a theme for me is where am I in the stream physically as a personal exploration and also as a design from an aesthetic standpoint, it was interesting to me that I was, I was in physical spaces that were highly detailed design. Whereas some people might have a series of dreams that are all about a conversation yeah. or all about music or they, where there's a specific, specific kind of being that they're encountering or feeling that they're having in a dream. So everybody's is going to be different, but I would say just, um, honor the, honor the work that's happening by just acknowledging it on paper and just see how that goes, or even like a voice recording just to see how it goes. And then maybe you'd be interested in it. And maybe like you go, Oh, I think my dreams are just supposed to be happening and they're supposed to be forgotten. So I'm going to just chill and yeah. let it, you know, let it float away, you know? So really I'd just say experiment. Cool. And so I was loving reading in your bio, like how varied your career has been. You've done so many interesting <laughs> things and they're all really different. Um, although I'm sure like looking back, maybe you see the common thread as we all often do when, when looking back, oh yeah, it makes sense how I got here. So I'm curious, can you tell us yeah. a little bit about how you got here and all of those interesting kind of stopping off points along the way? Well, not all of them, whatever works for you. Well, and keep in mind, you know, I'm 47, so I've had a little time, <laughs> a little bit of time. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know really that my life took a circuitous route until um, I think a family member of mine was introducing me to a guest like at a family function, you know, and, and said something like, oh, this is Diana. She takes a very circuitous route, but she gets to interesting places, <laughs> you know? And I was like, circuitous? It was like the first time I'd heard the word. And then when I looked it up, I was like, that. Yeah. That's exactly, <laughs> like, yes. Circuity is my life. So um, I grew up riding horses and had some jobs um, training horses and conditioning horses, um, as well as working at a, the only graveyard shift I ever had was working at a foaling barn, which is like you sit in a room and watch a bunch of video monitors of very expensive horses. And if it, when they start to give birth, you call the vet, that's your whole job. Right. Um, and 
and then I worked for the Olympic Games, and that was an escape pod. So one of the themes in my life is finding the escape pod <laughs> because I'll like commit to things or be hugely enthusiastic about the beginning of things, right? And then the middle and end are sort of like, can someone please do this for me? <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, why did I say yes to this a year ago and I'm still eyeballing the same 10 people? Like, I want to get out and about and have different experiences you know which I didn't know about myself I just kept getting myself into these situations where I was like fuck how do I get out of this so my um invitation to go work on the Olympic Games in Atlanta was a uh, fuck how do I get out of studying for the MCATs which is a <laughs> to go to medical school you have to take these things um these exams and I had perfectly sealed in in cellophane stack of books to be studying and I wasn't and um the test was coming and looming and like it was three months away and two months away and then I got the call for the Olympics and was like yay bye <laughs> not going to medical school <laughs> so sometimes my um interesting transitions are because I am deeply discomforted and in a state of um distress <laughs> so yeah that happens a lot actually um I had another cosmic collar grab uh when I was working for this evil marketing company and like their whole job was to um make like happy meal toys and games for McDonald's like that was their biggest client and so at the point where I was writing a press release to basically justify child labor in China, I was like, I gotta, I get, I can't, the, what, I can't, you know, I was like, I'm working for the hunter, you know, I'm working for the wrong side. So, um, I, but I was making money and I didn't really know how to, like, I was like torn by it, you know? And, um, so I got injured at work. Like oh. I literally, I was a secretary. How do you get hurt as a secretary? <laughs> how did that happen? I got hurt at work and it was a pretty severe injury. I mean, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but it was like, I felt like it was the cosmos saying like, we warned you, we warned you again, we put you in danger, and now we are going to stop you because this is bullshit. You can't have your name on this. So I um, was flat on my back for a couple months. Wow. And I'd never really been, I mean, I played a lot of sports. I'd been injured before, but, you know, you wait six weeks and you're back at it. Um, and I wasn't bouncing back, and I, you know, they were threatening to do surgery, and I was like, no, I think this is cosmic, but I couldn't tell anybody it was cosmic because it was like a work comp thing you know it was like a whole fucked up thing so as I was laying there I thought what do I need like what what does this mean what I know that I'm supposed to stop working at this company but wh wh what am I gonna do like I don't I hadn't really thought about it in a couple of years and um I so I started thinking about what are all the things that I've done in all my jobs like the, the river that runs through all this circuity was that I'm always the one who's facilitating meetings. No matter what age I was, no matter what context I was, whether it was with a group of law enforcement people or international um, Olympic people, committee people, I mean, it could be anybody. And I was sort of the one who kept things moving. And I was also the one who knew everybody's name in every department. 
And I was also the one who was really interested in how the big picture worked in any organization that I was in, academic, corporate, whatever, social. So I started looking at those patterns and thinking, okay, what do I do with that? You know, how do I, what is that, what is that called? And so I started doing this little self-guided sort of career exploration and figured out that graduate that the, because of the work comp entry, they would help pay for graduate school or for voc rehab or whatever. So I just started taking classes in a bunch of different things. And it was, it was like what I wish I'd done. And when I was 17, I did when I was 33 or whatever, you know, it was fascinating. And then I came to realize that like community psychology had everything I wanted. It would let me teach at college in California if I had a master's degree. It would help me look at systems, right, community systems and how they could heal themselves mm. versus me coming in as an expert and like fixing shit, right, which is bullshit. And it had a sustainability aspect. It had a social justice aspect, but it also let me be separate. And so I didn't have to be a therapist or a social worker and like, once I go in those systems, like I would never come out. I knew that, you know? So then that was another transition. So that was, again, another thing where I was in like a totally stupid situation and like got yanked out by, I don't know, Jupiter or whoever was protecting me at that time, you know? Yeah. So I'm so curious about what you said about kind of needing those escape pods on a fairly regular basis. Cause I think that's pretty common really like that. We, there's a type of personality that likes the beginnings of things, likes that kind of messy starting point and then isn't as much interested in, in the rest of it necessarily. Or I'm curious with that kind of self-awareness of that, have you done anything in your life to set it up so that you don't feel like you need as escape pods? Yeah. yeah. And what does that I look haven't like? needed an- I haven't needed an escape pod for the last 10 or 12 years. Yeah. So um, I do things like I have contracts. So I have agreements with all my clients. I have agreements with my um, the, the people who I consult to. So if I do a speaking gig, for instance, I have everything mapped. I mean, it's like a green M&M writer full kind of thing. It's not complicated. It's very direct, but it lets me be at my absolute best and deliver what you want without any of the potential bullshit that happens. And that had to come out of, you know, six, eight years of speaking around the world and having like lots of crazy fucking situations. And so now I say no a lot more, right? I do many fewer speaking gigs now because I want the ones that are comfortable, intense, that let me do my best, right? Um, so I had somebody, uh, seek me out for a speaking gig, um, that was on an old, old topic that really isn't relevant now because now I've figured out that there's a more relevant aspect of it. So they wanted the old, they were like, no, no, no. I just want you to do the same exact thing you did in 2009, like the same talk just cut. And I was like, no, it's not going to happen. Cause now I do more interactive. Like, it's just, I need to be satisfied. I'm in it for me. So I would suggest to anybody thinking about it, how do you, what, what do you need to do your best, write all that stuff down and create agreements either with yourself or with your loved ones or with people you're working with. It doesn't have to be that you're a professional, whatever. It could just be that sometimes you feel like you need escape pods in relationships or whatever. 
So you can say yes and you can say, and there's a 30 day limit on this. And then I want to check in about what the deal is in 30 days. And we both agree that in 30 days, the answer might be I'm done, but there's a context for it and there's a time for it. And I think that's a very humane way to make decisions and to make commitments. Yeah, I love you know? that. And I think it could apply, yeah. like you say, to so many situations. Fully. So you just mentioned this phrase and you, when I asked you before the interview about your core message, you said humane decision making. And I love that. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, so much of what can make decision making inhumane is the way we treat ourselves in the midst of decisions. And I'm curious, in your opinion, what factors do you think contribute to that feeling of decision paralysis or kind of like going back and forth and umming and awing? What do you think is making us do that most of the time? Um, I don't, you know, it's different for different people. So for me, I'm a relational person. So I worry about um, my relationships with other people and whether a decision I make is going to have a negative impact. And I sort of do a lot of projecting, right? I do a lot of like, the worst case scenario is that we're never friends again. And we can't possibly do this thing together because I, I value your friendship so much, right? Or I'm worried that you won't like me, or I'm worried that you won't accept me anymore, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's one kind of theme. I think another theme is not having enough information. So feeling like you can't, you don't have the data to make a good decision, but you feel pressure to make it. So for instance, um, we don't know how we're going to get paid, but we'll probably get paid somehow, some way. Can you please just show up for this thing? And whatever, you know, and it's all kind of vague, but we feel either social pressure or professional pressure to show up, or maybe we've been invited in a public way so that we can't really, when we're saying no, we're saying no out in public. So we feel exposed in some way or pressured. So there's, um, yeah, not having enough information, um, having, um, projecting and 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 sort of putting yourself in a position of trying to guess what's going to happen right um i did a very crisp and and um understandable video on this that's on my main home page but i can't remember what the third point is but you get the idea yeah. right so i think that a lot of times we think we're bad at decision making but it's really our context or our circumstances that we're not acknowledging, oh, this is not a good circumstance for me to make a good, an educated decision that will then serve me and I won't regret a year from now. Right. Or I have a little, I can smell something a little weird in this situation and it sort of feels like a situation I had from before and I'm not sure what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like you have an inkling that it's not a good, that there's not, that, you, that there's not a good situation there. But you go for it anyway because, oh, my God, they're going to pay me $150 and I I need it, you know, <laughs> or whatever. So you created the super conditions game and that's helping to make this process more humane, this decision-making process. I went through it and it was a lot of fun but also created a lot of clarity. So can you just tell us what are super conditions and how does this game help with decision-making? Well, I love that you did it and I really appreciate it. And you did it up 
Like you really, you know, you really, you sincerely took into it a question that mattered to you, which means a lot to me. And I, do you want to tell, do you want to say what your question yeah, was? Yeah, I had, I had two questions that I was thinking about using. And then at the beginning of it, and maybe we can talk about this a bit more in a minute, but you said to, you, to choose a mid-level question. And so one yeah. of the questions I realized was a high-level question. Um, and so... Like Maybe. high intensity. Yeah, high intensity. Right. That's yeah. what you called it, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. So I chose the mid-level question was, well, is this the right time to start writing my book or do I need more experience and to have it like, quote unquote, more figured out? So that was mm-hmm. the question I took into the game. Mm-hmm. And I like that you took that in because it's 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 serious in the sense that it, it applies to what you're doing and it's meaningful to you and it it, it connects to your identity as a writer you know what I mean? And I mean, who knows what that high intensity question was, if this is a mid-level, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty big one. Yeah. So I just thought, even though I could get a really strong sense of my own input into the decision using the game, um, especially since you were saying to use something that was more of a mid-level intensity, that that was a great, great one to start with. Well, and your your intuition was right on on that because it's very important to take decisions that you actually have ownership over into the game. So there's a lot of times people get sort of stuck or sticky um, in the game when they take decisions that are actually group or community decisions into the game because it's like a control thing. Like, how can I, you know, instead of yeah. asking a question like, for my part in this decision, how can I figure out how I really feel about it? That's a great way to sort of go, yeah, go yeah. into a community decision, right? But I love that you went into it and you went into it um, in, a, in a free way and um, in a, a sort of free and kind of playful way, which was great. Um, and that's a really great attitude to take into it. So the idea is of this game is this is just a little kernel, a little just come into my front foyer experience of super conditions. So it, it's, you know, it takes about an hour, I don't know, hour and a half. How long yeah, did it, I think take? it took? Yeah, maybe like 75 minutes or something like that. Yeah, that's pretty standard. Sometimes people take a little bit longer and sometimes people just blaze through it and they'll do it two or three times, like as fast as they can. Mm. Any approach is great. And the the beauty of the this game is that then when you start practicing it, It gets faster and faster and you can do it in your head at some point. So I have clients who have only ever done the game. They've never worked with me individually. They've never seen me speak and they've never um, had like a longer term consultation because the scale of my work is come through the door, do the game, right? Uh, Then listen to the free calls once a month and get deeper into the game. And then um, maybe you come to a, 10 person workshop or come see me talk. And then maybe you work with me um, doing, doing an individual game review, right? It, where it's just talking about the game. And then if it serves you and you're getting something out of it and you uh, want deeper work, then you can work with me for a four month consultation, which is open door, unlimited calls, emails, texts. And you can really get into how the process works and learn the whole system because in the game, we do like a little thin slice of what each of the parts are. Right. Um, so the, the deeper work is more of an investigative reporting. It's like an excavation process so that you can actually build your own decision-making system that applies to everything. So for instance, I, we just, I just worked with a client on 
um, renegotiating her work con her employment contract, her employment agreement, and doing her salary renegotiation based on her super conditions work. And so she got a 40% raise and a way better employment agreement that protects her and protects the company in much better ways. So, you know, the, the applications are kind of wild and great. I also used super conditions with a couple that I married. So oh, wow. we spent, yeah, we spent about three and a half months um, talking to each other and I worked with them separately and together and they created their vows based on the work that we did together and made some decisions about their ceremony and their union and who was coming mm -hmm. to the wedding, all based on that super conditions work, which was such a gigantic honor for me. You know, to be asked to be part of someone's like the one day that their unit, they're getting together in this one beautiful ritual. It was it was a huge, huge, tremendous success from my perspective and theirs. And it was so deeply informed by who they are as opposed to the surface of how they met and like, I love you and I'll do anything for you. And here's an organ for, you know, like the, yeah. the standard kind of stuff was really great. So lots of different ways to use the material and at lots of different levels, right? Lots of different levels of intensity or utility. Um, it's also really important for me to say that it matters to me that the work travels. It um, That's why I've made it sliding scale. It's $0 to $40 for the game. And I always have a sliding scale um, spot open in my client in my client work. So um, some people are, you know, paying full price. And then there's always one person who I work with on a scholarship basis. Um, it's often a student who I've taught at Santa Monica College who I'm mentoring. Um, but there are also lots of people, very interesting people around the world who have, you know, access to different energetic commerce than the dollar bill. So that's important to me. Um, I want this, you know, ideally this would go to like a fourth grade program in elementary school, you know, yeah. because that's when we need it. When we're trying to figure out who we are and people are asking us questions and we're deciding what the rules of life are and we're just before puberty, before we kind of go insane for a minute, you know, um, I think that's like an amazing leadership developmental point, and I would love to um, develop super conditions for all ages. Oh, I yeah. love that. That's so interesting. Yeah. So thanks for thanks for asking me about it and letting me sort of exercise the ideas with you because um, some oftentimes I don't know how I feel about my work till I say it out loud, and so it's I'm really grateful for it. Oh, that's no, I'm I'm so grateful to have found it. It's so interesting and not like stuff that I've seen before and I love that you're calling it a game too because I think it just like creates that spirit of it being really fun rather than you be like here's another workbook about how to make good decisions which is like not what the internet needs <laughs> you will now know who you really are <laughs> yeah. yeah and so I loved in the workbook that you talked about like that we're born with these super conditions so does that mean literally from birth we have these super conditions in us I think so. I really do. Because I think the patterns are things that we, here's why I said, I think we have them from birth. When I started doing the work and I started working with the first year that super conditions came into being, um, I did 12 talks. I did 
yeah, I did 12 talks in cities in the States and three international talks. I did four or five, eight to 10 person workshops. I did a 600 person talk and then I did a bunch of individual super conditioning because I, I like to beta test and research everything. I don't believe anything that comes out of me is like perfect until I've worked the shit out of it, right? So in almost all of those cases, everybody had an example for a super condition from childhood. Mm. So one of your super conditions was a song that you said, can I say it? Yeah. Hands off my feelings, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like back off, right? But it's also it also says, here's why feelings are important. It yeah. also has you know positive aspects to it besides the, the song title, right? Which you I might have been a bit irritable that day. But I bet that from the time you were a little kid, you might have had some boundary stories, mm-hmm. or you might have had some examples. So it was fascinating to me because when I went into super conditions, I was sort of thinking as a very above the eyebrows intellectual, we get to decide what our philosophies are. We get to construct them. I could make up a philosophy that I want to embody, right? And I could just make it up. Well, it doesn't actually work that way. It doesn't actually work that way. You can't say, I would like to have a philosophy of that money is good and that uh, that all people, there's enough for everyone. Well, it's bullshit because you have people who don't have access to clean water and you have actual, you know, people who are living in poverty because of systematized racism, classism, sexism. I mean, it's not like that is a bullshit thing to say, like, I'm just going to embody this other way of thinking about capitalism. It's yeah not going to happen for me personally that's not going to happen right um because when even when i was a little teeny baby if i had three of something i looked for two other people Mm. to share it with you know so equality and um you know make sure everyone has firsts before you get seconds is just and I'm sure that it was reinforced by the way that I grew up by my family and by my socialist mother, you know, and <laughs> stuff. But I was real I really came in with that generosity and that desire for everybody to be taken care of. That's really interesting. And I think something that I'm loving about it is that it's like a little bit edgy in the face of, of a lot of the kind of self-help stuff that's out there that's really about like completely rather than accessing what's true about us, rather than accessing these super conditions, trying to like paste all of these affirmations and things on top of ourselves, being like, you know, like you say, like, oh, I'm just going to think differently about money and I'm going to kind of buy into capitalism. And it feels a little bit like what you're saying is like that that's not necessarily true, right? Like that you've got some of that stuff in you and to try and paste over it with something else would not be authentic and I imagine could kind of be damaging. Well, and I I don't know if it's appropriate for everyone. Mm. So I really believe that there that a, a lot of different approaches to living and approaches to awareness and approaches to being present and approaches to being socially responsible are I think it's great to have variety because of course I have super conditions of innovation and variety, <laughs> right? Because I can't even go. I go to school uh, to teach. It's two miles from here. And I try to take a different route every time. And sometimes it takes me twice as long to get there because I just want to see another street. (laughs) So, So I'm not slamming anybody else's idea. However, I personally get bristly 
when someone says, I'm going to take you through a process and then I'm going to make a decision based on these labels that we've come up with and that we've bought into that say, you're a, you're a number this or you're a label this and that is all you can be and here are the people who you're going to relate well to with and here are the people you're not going to relate well to with and here are the jobs you should have and here are the problems that you're going to have like what the fuck let me just say no and when does like ever when when do you not feel like yeah but I'm a little bit of that one too and a little bit of that one like when is it ever satisfying Well, there's that, but also there is the value of that is that it is a containment system, right? Mm -hmm. So it is a thing where if you really like structural organizing things, you know, and you like the boxes and you, the labels are soothing to you, please go do them. Like, I really, really, I want you to be comfortable, but I tend to work with clients who've done every workshop, who know their, they know their Enneagram, they know their astrology signs, they know, um, they know what kinds of, um, like what kind of love language they speak, like they, they know all those things, and they're still trying to make good decisions. Yeah. So I think if we use our own language and our own stories to construct a s- system, it is way more complicated. It's a lot more work. And I feel like it's a lot more sustainable and um, and interesting. And it's a way to connect with other people that uses your own language instead of using what they assume by a, 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 a staid kind of dogmatic language. So if we meet and we sort of skid up to each other in the playground and 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 and, and I say like, Hey, I have three pieces of licorice. Do you want one? You know, you know more about me as a person, I think, than if I come up to you and I say, I'm a double Aquarian with my moon in Taurus. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, totally. Because we haven't, you know what I mean? I, I, and I'm not slamming astrology. I'm taking an amazing astrology class right now, by the way, by Stargazer Lee that I highly recommend. But I'm just saying, I think we need to say our own language, speak our own story to who we are, as opposed to something that's on page 64 of, of, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm, and maybe it's, it's ironic, because right, I'm proposing this system, while I'm saying these other systems are bad, it's kind of, it's ridiculous, but you get what I mean. Well, and I, but I mean, like you're like you can take some aspects of astrology that become part of your story. But I think what was really intriguing to me was that like going through the super conditions game. It's not like I got to the end and then you're like, here are your super conditions. You you said you know you can play on different days and you might get different answers and you can play like with different decisions and really build up this like stronger understanding. It felt like a really a process of personal excavation rather than. And again, like, I, you know, I know Myers-Briggs, I am. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know all of those things, too. And I've found some really interesting insights, like, and aha moments into my own personality by... um, Me, too. Me, too. Yeah. So, like, I totally get what you say. You're, you know, that you're not bashing them. But I also, like, super conditions did feel different to me in that way. I think that's what I mean. And I think I tend to go towards some comparison thing. And that's not really what I mean. It's really that I think it it is a it's a different way of looking at things. It's a different way of building story. And the people who are attracted to it are people who like working on things. Mm-hmm. 
and who are available and aware enough of kind of their own things or interested enough in their own things that they're like, Ooh, I want to do the, I want to do the questionnaire. I want to show up at the free call and actually ask a question and work with Diana because I don't get it, you know, who are curious enough and forward enough to be like, let's make this better. You know, every time I work with someone, super conditions gets better because I go, Oh, that didn't make sense. It makes so much sense in my head. Let's see. How could I write that so that it would be useful to someone or, you know, speak in a language that, so I wouldn't be misunderstood, you know? Four Sigmatic makes coffee, hot chocolates, elixirs, and smoothie powders that include potent medicinal mushrooms. These mushrooms can help increase your energy, balance your hormones, heal your adrenals, and even give you a better night's sleep. This might sound like magic, but these mushrooms are more nutrient-dense than 99.9999% of all food options. Yes, really. Since suffering from adrenal fatigue, my body can no longer tolerate coffee. It gives me massive anxiety, the jitters, and really, really disrupts my digestion. But the amazing thing about the Four Sigmatic Instant Coffee is that it has that great coffee taste and boosts your energy, but it doesn't make my adrenals go haywire, and it also doesn't give you that yucky coffee crash. My husband thought the idea of mushroom coffee was absolutely disgusting, and you know, I can understand that in theory, but I was a sneak, and I served him a mug full one morning without telling him, and he couldn't even tell the difference. I've been working with medicinal mushrooms for a while now, and they've been pivotal to my healing journey. But the thing about these products is that they make accessing the incredible properties of reishi, chaga, lion's mane, and cordyceps incredibly delicious, but also way less complicated to prepare. You just add water and drink it up. Check out their products at foursigmatic.com and use the code Sarah, Sarah with an H, to get 10% off your order. So something I'm curious to ask you about that you mentioned before the interview was the power of again. And then I Googled that and I couldn't quite figure out what you meant. And then I saw you had mentioned it on Twitter, but I couldn't find the article that you were referring to. So can you tell us like what that is and how it's really, like, how it's come up in your life recently? It, yeah. And I think it would be like um, people talk about the power of habits or the power of rituals or the power of uh, regular regularity or meditating every day, for example. I mean, these are all examples of the power of, again, the power of even the power of sort of learning, a, lear- thinking you've learned a lesson and then it comes up again and again and again. And then you're like, <laughs> God damn it. And you can't really learn a lesson again. You haven't learned it. Right. You just, you know, right. <laughs> so um, I was, um, it was, what was the what was the tweet? It was about a specific conversation that I had or something. What? I don't know what it was. Um, but but you said something about your food preparation. I think was relating to the power of again. For sure, I think I was having a conversation with someone, and and someone mentioned. I'm gonna look right here because um, it will drive me crazy if I don't have the proper reference. Okay, my tweets. Oh, reminded of the power of again. Seeing Wendy's morning writing post. Okay. So Wendy Ortiz is uh, an amazing writer. I highly recommend reading her work. I think you'd actually really like it. She's on her third book now. It's just being released called Bruja, um, B-R-U-J-A. I think it's being released next month. Um, Might be available for pre-order now. In any case, uh, she will take, she does an Instagram picture, I think every morning, of her open blank journal and a cup of coffee. And the light is always pre-dawn kind of or dawn morning light and um when I saw it I was like you know what 
she's done this for a long time. Like I've been seeing those pictures for at least months, maybe a year. And I sort of, in my mind, I sort of criticize them, right? Like just for a second, I'm like, okay, yeah, I know you write every day. Good job. You know, whatever. <laughs> but then I realize, for me, when I text someone, like I'll usually text someone on the East coast to say I'm walking. That's accountability to keep myself walking. They don't have to answer or anything. I've just signaled the universe. I'm doing this thing. Right. And so then I thought she's signaling the universe. This is magic. This is what, this is important to do. Right. So then I thought about, Oh, I think that's why the cooking every week, one of the reasons why the cooking every week has been such a radical quality of life shift is that it's, again, again, I'm thinking of, I'm getting centered enough on Thursday or Friday of every week to say, what kind of nutrients do I need for next week? Maybe what was missing this week, maybe I need a little more this and a little less this. How was my poop this week? Whatever, Yeah. whatever, you know? And then again, I'm going through the process of, of creating, of imagining the colors I want to see, what vegetables, fruits and vegetables are in season. We're in a season change now. So we're out of melons and we're into pears and, you know, and I'm, it's a, it's in a huge creative process that I really take for granted because it's something I know how to do. I like to do. I enjoy sharp knives. I am prepared to do this kind of work you know, from my life experiences. But really, it's a huge creative process. And then Sunday morning, I'm at the market between 7 and 8 a.m. I'm at my friend's house because they have a really big kitchen. I have like a galley kitchen. Sometimes I cook here, but most of the times I cook there. I'm at their house now by 8.30 or 9. It used to be that I didn't start cooking till 1, but then I wouldn't be done until like 7 at night. It was a nightmare. So now everybody can just stay asleep. And I don't bother them. I close all the doors in the kitchen and I get cranking. I get my headphones on and I just go. And it's usually like a six to seven hour cooking process. So as a creative process, that's also perishable, right? Think about the difference between, and this is what I was thinking about um, earlier this week. I have such a hard time. Like the super conditions book is in me. It's written. It's, I have years of experience. This should not, this should be a no brainer. This should be already out, right? Either self-released or whatever. And so I struggle with it. I struggle with, should I write, I should do it. I blah, blah, all this stuff. But here's the thing about why co the cooking works. It's perishable. It's consumable. My art becomes part of someone else's body and be becomes part of my body. And then it renews itself because it runs out and I have to replace that food. So there's something about the auto magical mechanical aspects of it that I think make the power of again possible for me to access mm. and so I think that this process is going to inform my other creative processes and why not let a product out into the world that's perishable why not let super conditions be out in the world as you know five versions why not right the game has already changed. I have an edited version of it that I'm going to like replace and then send all the people who've gotten the game, you know, the new version. And why, why not have it just be a live process? So shifting the paradigms around what being creative, being productively creative means, it took me being in the kitchen once a week for over a year 
to get the connection. Mm. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. I love that. Um, and you're just making me think about how like, hey, I do a little bit of meal prep, but I love the idea of having every meal created. So <laughs> that's amazing. Um, but then to, like that, that connection to thinking about yeah, how much power there is into showing up for something, whether it's every week or every day or every hour or whatever that is. But the idea of perishable creativity is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's, 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 and, and I could, I would never have thought a year ago that that's what it was. Mm. I kind of go, and I think that's part of my circuity is I'm like, I don't know, I just kind of feel like I'm supposed to be doing this thing. You know, or and so I'm just going to try it. And then because also it was connected to other people, so I cook for myself and two other people, the accountability is built in for me. If I was just cooking for myself, never would have gone past a couple months, I guarantee you. Right. At least uh, based on my past experience. Maybe it, maybe, it, maybe it would, but I don't think so because it doesn't, my creativity and my um, spiritual or emotional practices are all relational as far as I can tell, as far as I can tell. And I'm actually kind of interested in the personal ones, right? So my personal ones that have been about me and with just me have almost all been bad habits. (laughs) (laughs) They've almost all been like smoking cigarettes or like drinking or whatever, you know, but like one, you know, one or two times I've had the experience of having um, like a photography practice that was mine and mine alone. I really didn't share with a lot of people, didn't do any accountability and did that for some time. And I still am a very visual person. and I like to document things, but I'm curious to figure out how to apply this kind of love, tenderness and relational accountability for myself with me Mm -hmm. so that's something I'm exploring with super conditions to try to figure out if that's possible for me I think it is but I think in my whole life I've been like oh no I can't I can't play I don't do individual sports I don't do you know yeah yeah I need a coach right everybody has that like has that sometimes or not everybody but my people right we all have that like can somebody fix it please (laughs) just tell me what to do or like am I supposed to be doing this or just can you meet me somewhere or can you come over <laughs> while I clean my closet out or something? Yeah. Um, well, I always ask people what they're working on in their own personal development, but it sounds like you've just summed that up. Yeah. Yeah. So another question that I love to ask everyone, and it could be like the most frivolous thing in the world or it could be super serious or anything in between, but what's one thing that you're obsessed with these days that's making your life better? Oh, minimalist baker. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She's amazing. I think her name is Dana. Uh, Yeah. And and one of the reasons I'm obsessed is she has worked out so many kinks so that her recipes are super simple. They look like what they look like in the picture. They taste delicious. And there's, and, and they're adaptable, right? So I don't really cook with a lot of salt or oil. Um, and, um, so it's very easy to leave those out of her recipes and they taste amazing. Um, and I also just love that they're so clean and there's maybe 10 ingredients or seven ingredients or something. I mean, just like, I just want to worship at her feet. Like I, I would love to just like 
be cleaning the floor with a toothbrush as she cooked or something. Like, I just, <laughs> it's like, I don't know what the highest honor for her would be, but like, I want to be her kitchen bitch, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love her blog as well. I was like on quite a roll of like, whenever she put up a new recipe, I'd be like, I have to make this one too. And my husband was making fun of me because, but they're all so good. And except for one, I haven't mastered her gluten-free fresh pasta yet, but I think that's a, like mostly not being totally sure how to use my pasta press. Um, they're quite like they're quite easy um even when they've got like a lot of steps they're never like very technically challenging they always feel like I I could make that even on a weeknight and yeah so delicious yeah and all vegan which is just so comforting you know I don't have to like be like oh I can't do that you know yeah um so you mentioned kind of the process that people go through to, to get inundated into your world and start exploring super conditions yeah. in a really deep way with you. But for people who are feeling drawn to like, what's the logical next step after listening to this episode, if they want to get more of you? Oh, go get the game, go get the game and play it because that's, that's the way in. Like I, I, you know, I think that a lot of questions get answered in there about sort of, you hear my voice, you get my approach you have an understanding of kind of who I am as a person, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you think I that's think true so. playing the game? Yeah. And then, you know, like, am I annoying? Do you like my approach? Do you, you know, because a lot of times you have an idea about like someone's name on a marquee and oh my God, they must be totally amazing if these five people have interviewed them or something. But it's bullshit. You got to make that decision for yourself. And then um, come to a free call, you know? And I'll put one, I'll put a new one on the schedule by the time this is out so that it'll be all ready to go. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Diana. This has been so much fun. Oh, my total pleasure. I have one more question. Oh, cool. Yeah. Did you start the book? Yes. I downloaded (gasps) Scrivener and I've got it outlined. So (laughs) yeah, I have not gotten into the power of again with it yet because I've been having like some very low energy this month and I've been trying to be really gentle with myself, but I am, as my energy levels are starting to come back up, I am planning to get back into a daily writing practice every morning and just go for it. I am thrilled to hear it. That is wonderful. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. And anybody listening, you know, I'm really open to questions. Um, uh, it's very rare that people take me up on this offer, but I do mean it. You can email me at info at dianavalentine.com anytime. And I love answering questions and go get the game. And it really is sliding scale for a reason. Don't talk yourself out of it just because you just can't choose the $0 or the $20 level please enjoy it oh thank you you can access the show notes for this episode at sarahstars.com slash podcast slash 60 don't forget to visit foursigmatic.com and use the promo code sarah to get 10 percent off your order and if you want to continue the conversations that we're having about money and self-worth please join me in girl gang hq that's a private facebook group so you can just Type Girl Gang HQ into the search bar on Facebook or click on the link in the show notes and join us there to be part of the Girl Gang and continue these types of conversations that we have on the show. Next week's interview is with Nancy Levin. Nancy is the author of Worthy, Boost Your Self-Worth to Grow Your Net Worth, Jump and Your Life Will Appear, and Writing for My Life. She's a master integrative coach and the creator of the Jump Coaching and Worthy Coaching Programs, working with clients privately and in groups to live in alignment with their own truth and desires. She was the event director at Hay House for 12 years and hosts her own weekly call-in show, Jumpstart Your Life, on Hay House Radio. 
Nancy and I will be talking about the fact that most personal finance books don't work for people because they don't address the underlying self-worth issues that lead us to under-earn, overspend, and generally self-sabotage with our cash. She's talking about her own money story, what changed everything for her, and the, how the approach she uses with herself and her clients is really different. Until then, grab your girl gang and have a conversation that matters.